This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Uh, this one's kind of interesting. So. There was some big news that broke recently in the wholesale distributor realm that actually could have like kind of a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. So kind of a follow-up to our last episode. Basically, this episode's going to be covering changes in distro and what that means for you, what the impact could be, what our thoughts are, etc. So the big news, uh, for those of you that don't know, Beckett, the parent company of Beckett, who also owns Dragon Shield, it was announced and made official, acquired Southern Hobby Distribution. So there is actually a distributor owned by Beckett now, and this is going to be kind of a big deal. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, so what I kind of forgot about Beckett until we talked prior to the show was for the longest time, they were the premier periodical for sports cards pricing. You had your Beckett essentially grading magazine, and there were some articles that primarily did pricing, and then eventually the BGS system came out. And they became, you know, premier in in that area. And it, to me, it's really interesting that a parent company that owns Dragon Shields and Beckett would also buy a a distributor. Now, Southern for me uh, lives up to its name. It's Southern Hobby, and it provides product for the hobbyist, be it a a game player or a comic collector. Do they also do sports distro or sports card distro? Yes, so okay. they do sports card distro as well. The sports card world, as you know, anyone that's been reading the news is exploding right now, and it's it's very different. The model for sports cards is drastically different than the model for Magic. Uh, so Magic comes in, and you have your wholesale price. It's always going to be your wholesale price. That's the price as long as it's in print. Yep. It's not the case with sports cards, and this is kind of important because the way it works with sports cards is you're allotted a certain amount at wholesale beyond that the distro can charge a market rate hmm. so that's something that's going to be very interesting seeing how wizards has started to get more and more into these chase sets is seeing crossover between the business models and sports and in magic yep. the secret layer series is incredibly popular and tops has had project 70 for about five years now which is literally the same exact thing except with individual players instead of, you know, fetch lands or shock lands. Yep. And then Magic adopts this drop model. So I wouldn't actually be at all surprised. And this is something that Magic has kind of done already anyways. It distros is, you know, you can get out-of-print stuff that's returned when a company goes out of business or something. You know, some Southern warehouses literally are still sitting on Worldwake boxes that you can buy. Not first-run Worldwake unfortunately, but World Wake boxes that you can buy for basically what market rate is. So they deal, you know, Southern deals with sports cards. Yes. And I expect to see a larger amount of sports cards start to funnel through them okay. at this point. So they're not necessarily a market leader as a distro for sports cards. No, uh, especially because Panini has taken a direct to consumer model, which 
they won't be around past 2025 anyways because all of the exclusive sports rights went to a new company. Yep. But Panini itself, who is the largest manufacturer of sports cards, they do football, uh, they do UFC, they do any of the like fringe sports as well, NASCAR, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do direct-to-consumer. So you go to their website and you buy hobby boxes there in addition to what's allotted at Distro. Okay. So it's it's a very interesting model, and I think that that'll be... It'll be very unique to see how Southern changes things. Yeah. Because I can't exp- I There's no way that this buyout happens and something doesn't change at Southern in my mind. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I know there are dedicated comic distros. Like, that. that's kind of their avenue. That's all they do. Do you know if there are any distros dedicated just to sports cards? So there's some smaller ones that have started up mm-hmm. just over the last couple of years that are like part of the sports card boom that are dedicated primarily to sports cards, but they aren't large scale by any means. Okay. They're not, you know, your GTS, your Southern Hobby, your Alliance, your Diamond. Yeah. Like they're not any of the big ones. Okay. Okay. So like that, like I said, this is kind of uh, opaque to me because I've never put in uh, orders. All I hear about from distro is just my time, you know, in the industry working at, at various entities. You know, we mentioned Diamond uh, not too long ago, and they're right now on the way out. Yeah, they uh, filed for a restructuring bankruptcy, and they're primarily comics, so they're kind of outside the purview. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because Marvel went for a direct to consumer route, so okay, it'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, comics always have their own interesting, like way of doing things because you have a million variant covers depending on what you're ordering where it's going if it's a con if it's uh some sync release with the ip and and some other uh, amalgamation be it like a toy line or whatever and i was always very curious to know how dedicated comic distros kind of survived because your subscription model is what gets you through at the lgs level you know your people that just come in and dedicate it every week by some amount of comics you know your yeah. subscriptions should in theory as a comic store pay your rent like that that's the belief yes that that's that's how you know you're gonna do well is when your subscriptions can can pay your rent and i was always impressed at that especially when you had other entities in the space like large bookstores which we have lost some in time as time yeah. went on but we're also now at an age where every um like drugstore is no longer selling comics like they were in the yeah. 90s we've lost a lot of newsstands and so the the direct model makes sense the loss of distro is kind of i guess to me expected because i really still don't know how the comics industry survives it just print seems, media is dying everywhere yeah, so it's... it just seems passe at this point aside from people yeah. who dedicated want the books because like it goes with the rest of the run that they've been collecting for forever then yeah sure um yeah what happens to diamond and dime uh is going to be super duper interesting uh for me mainly because yeah. the managers one of my lgs's they are above the comic store that is owned by the same person oh so okay, sure. i get to hear a little bit back and forth um and then something else is you know flesh and blood has a really interesting I'm going to say distro model, but I don't mean through distributors. Just mean, I just mean an actual model of distributing their distributing their product. And yeah. we just got wind of a premium store program. Yeah, so they're, Flesh and Blood is doing a thing now where their premium store program, you have to sign up for it. 
like WPN Premium. Yep. Uh, it's the only way to get first edition, which if you know anything about Flesh and Blood, is where 99.99999% of the money is. Yep. Now, this is another thing that's changing at distribution because, you know, basically uh, we were told, hey, you're going to get some first edition boxes of the next set. Great. Awesome. Then we're told, oh, wait, you didn't sign up for their in-store program. Oh, so now we're not getting first edition boxes. That's shit. And the reason this is interesting is because Flesh and Blood is... You know, of, of any game that's come out of the last 10 years, Flesh and Blood seems to have the most staying power. Yes, yeah. It came out during COVID and exploded thanks to a couple of YouTube channels uh, and kept with it. And LSB and Channel and everyone started trying to push this game out there. And now there's constructed play happening and the game is good. And this is the first time that I can remember legitimate hype, legitimate financial backing. Mm-hmm and legitimate like changing wins almost like a changing of the guard in terms of popular card games since pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh and magic became the big three in the 90s and 2000s and them going towards this model i think is important to watch because the better this model gets the more successful it is the more i would expect wizards to lean into the wpn premium program because they're already doing that yeah you know, the ampersand promos were exclusive to WPN mm-hmm. Premium. You couldn't get them if you were just a Joe Schmo LGS. Fine. But if they start to do product distribution like that, that is enormous and a huge impact on the game. Uh, if it gets to be, you know, similar to the Secret Layer program, the premium one where you sign up and you get the, you know, special layers that are only for members of that program. Mm-hmm getting more exclusive with this stuff is getting more and more popular in the industry. And if that continues with magic and all of a sudden we've got like a modern masters five or whatever we're on now, that's exclusive to WP and premium stores that puts a lot of pressure on the LGS model and a lot of pressure on the financial aspects of the game. So it's, it's something that I think is worth paying attention to as a magic vendor, even because wanting to get ahead of this kind of thing is one of the only ways that you can survive in the industry you've got to be first be better or cheat and you can't really cheat so you got to be first or be better it's easier to be first so pay attention to that stuff Uh, it's kind of ironic i was talking uh to my wife about it this weekend we have another local lgs that's looking to set up a second location about two hours away geographically in like the middle of the state they want to be the only wpn premium store in state and i was like i was talking to her i said at this point in time with no clear path to a, a, a professional scene and no good idea of what organized play is look, looking like, it's almost hubris. That statement, yeah. we want to be the only WPN premium store in state, seems like hubris for here. You know, multiple multiple states have multiple WPN premium stores. It's not that not that difficult to do it requires a lot of effort you have to go above and beyond by a lot you have to host events that regularly uh meet or exceed their uh, attendance caps you can't just rely on pre-releases anymore like you were able to with the advent of the pptq system that kind of cut the feet out of a lot of old to the bpn premium stores because they could no longer hold ptqs and get those counts gpts for buys you used to be able to essentially cap that no longer there it's gone so if for Watsy to push product to WPN Premium, but at the same time not give players a reason to come out and play, is like kind of a shyster move. Yeah. 
And I know a lot of people right now are taking the time to comb through every article Watsi puts out where they mention WPM premium to see what are these example stores doing that are currently labeled as premium? What can we do in these times that makes sense both for our players and financially for our store? Yeah, I so Moonbase was the first premium store in Missouri and one of the first in the country. And the burdens that those stores have are actually significant. You can't use your eight foot plastic tables that you've been using for years. You need something else. Uh, you need to have your floors a certain way. You need to have your displays a certain way. There's no cardboard boxes anywhere unless it's a sealed box, you know, and then and then you get secret shopped on top. of. Oh, that. yes. So yes, there's yeah. a lot that goes into the program. And I think that the more that they incentivize going that route, the more you're going to see the traditional LGS, like we touched on a few episodes ago, have to go down multiple venues now. You can't just do magic and comics anymore. You've got to become like a family hobby store yeah. in order to make ends meet. And that's fine. That's just a change that's coming to the industry to be mindful of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it will definitely shape, especially if flesh and blood you know, keeps up. You mentioned it. A lot of games have popped up. Not a lot of them had staying power, not a lot. So not a lot of them could really put pressure on the LGS to do anything. The only other game I've known, well, the only other company I've known besides Watsi to put pressure on both the LGS and on-prem vendors is Konami. And Konami yeah. sets a dress code for vendors at their events, and Konami sets a price ceiling for individual cards at their events. And if you don't play. Konami will make sure you do not get product. Yep. You will just not get product from distro. And and yeah. that can definitely tank a store. That especially if they're relying on Yu-Gi-Oh sales or a, like an online vendor. Absolutely. Just to have that vertical disappear essentially. And it's like you said it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. You know, uh, similar for Pokémon, I don't think they do first edition anymore, but if they went back to it or they did those rainbow pre uh, rainbow falls, etc. I can imagine that just being a, a trendsetter. And overall, stuff like this distro changes ripple through the industry. It it really does, and especially you know when you have someone who is not necessarily a primary vendor in the space, but has a massive impact on the space yeah. you know and the, the really interesting thing that's probably going to impact players the most is the availability of dragon shields is going to be affected by this i would have to assume because they're only going to come through one distributor now because why, why wouldn't they yeah you know uh, but it's not which like seems to it's not like stores oh. don't order from southern uh, yeah exactly it's just all of a sudden all of the dragon shields where southern may be out and you could get some from gts or alliance yep now you've got to hope southern has them and don't know if anybody's been paying attention. The sleeves are kind of hard to come by right now because plastic is still impossible to find. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's really important because stuff like this often does fly under the radar to the layman. And I think that these types of changes have such a huge impact on what happens behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. It may not seem like it, but all of a sudden okay, we have more financing behind this. This can impact prices. Yeah. This can impact availability. This can have a huge influence because Beckett is such a large entity within the hobby industry in general, if not magic. Mm -hmm. Although, obviously, people like BGS cards. 
So yep. their slabs matter. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, and what'll happen when they pump more money through Southern is also intriguing to me. It's not like they're going to be able to vacuum up that much more product, but the ability for exclusivity, etc., kind of happens from there when you can offer people more money for their deals. Um, yeah. Though something that I, I don't think a lot of people realize that might be interesting is so the premium store model for flesh and blood right if that's coming from distro directs to lgs what happens when that product doesn't sell at the lgs for whatever reason that's tough to sell maybe the lgs just can't sell flesh and blood it goes back to distro and then goes up for reorder or re-up and I, I think if, if anyone here has ever been to a distro, one of the best things to do, at least for me, I love this, go through the damaged area. Because it's stuff that basically was shipped out to someone and they said, hey, this box is damaged. I'm sending it back. I need you to replace it. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when this stuff doesn't sell at distro, a lot of times it gets sold back. Yep. And sometimes it may not, you know, they may buy it at a fraction of the cost or sometimes they'll pay wholesale back, basically. It just depends on what product it is, what the distro's contract is, stuff like that. Um, but if all of a sudden this gets back to distro and distro's contract is, hey, we can only sell it to flesh and blood premium, well, then it's really restricted because you don't have the option anymore of going to just Joe Blow and his LGS that's just down the street that just opened like a month ago. Yep. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see because I think that this potentially of any of the changes including beckett buying out southern uh has the potential to have a large-scale impact on the way that magic is distributed yeah oh yeah absolutely uh, and you know it's not like flesh and blood products has been super limited overall like you mentioned it's really the first edition that's kind of the bottleneck and the financial vehicle right now they're currently active. I think two cards were banned today. Maybe it was just one unrelated to uh, the event that just happened, I believe. They just saw something off the chart, so they're taking action, you know, immediately. I don't think it'll, you know... Yeah, yeah, it's great. I don't think it'll turn into the Versus system where everything just becomes ridiculous until you release oh, a God, Titan yeah. set and crush your game. But like, <laughs> something we, we probably... I love that game. Something we won't see, I'm hoping, for years to come is the return of sets... Uh, flesh and blood be it first edition or regular back to distro because it didn't sell so distro now has to eat it sit there and it sits wait awaiting a fire sale by yeah and i i hope that that doesn't happen with magic because one of the like most important things with this especially over the last year has been the availability of sealed product yep. and we're kind of in this weird you know as as we've touched on you know the last year is kind of unique because of the production issues because prior to that sitting on sealed wasn't necessarily a good investment but all of a sudden here we are and i think magic is better financially and like play wise when that is the case yep. and i would like for that to not go away yeah and uh is southern the distro that had the has the ebay storefront and now the individual buyer portal uh yes yeah i believe so I'm, yeah i'm curious if that is impacted at all yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see as well. Um, I know they have the individual buyer portal. I yeah. don't know if they have the eBay store or not, well, but they it, definitely have an individual Yeah, it started, it started at one place and then, one to, uh, then they moved to the website so they could go distro direct. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. built the rep on eBay just to make sure it'll work out. Now, then, now they go mm -hmm. distro direct. And I, I imagine 
you know the the parent org wouldn't stop it maybe pump a little more through especially if they know they're competing against amazon yeah They've, if they can't push boxes to the LGS because the LGS is losing to Amazon, well, now the distro competition is actually Amazon, and you've got to start pumping out product. Yeah, you're not way. beating them, unfortunately. No, but their margins are about should be about the same as Amazon, in theory, if they're moving the quantity they expect to. True, true. And I, I know they do their sales every now and again, so I'm kind of curious if anything changes about that, if any, or, any offering changes uh, in that regard. And as far as I know because I don't really know anybody else uh, that buys card games in the quantity that Magic players do. If Southern has similar direct-to-consumer models for other card games, so be it you know Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, whatever people are playing, Digimon. Yeah, not, not as far as I know, there's no other direct-to-consumer. I think they might be doing it with uh, uh, Weish. Weishworth, yeah. Um, yeah. That that game is a little more, uh, yeah. That that's a little more direct to consumer because people buy the anime they like, so it's very difficult for an LGS to hold stock in something. It's like if your LGS did, um, you know, Gundam models for whatever reason because they're super complex and like it's like the guy that builds uh, naval ship models. They're really involved, but not everybody likes the same thing, and there's so many different items that you can buy. It's just easier for your customer to come in, essentially look at the uh, the catalog and say I want these and then the store just order those so yeah. Wives is very much like that because people are going to buy what they like you know not everybody's into sword art some people are going to be into like whatever else they have on that IP Ghost in the Shell or Persona yeah. series was super popular yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the only one I can remember is SOA because we always have SOA but the other ones that sell super well are like the first four sets that were released and I can never remember what they are <laughs> Yeah. It's been too long since I worked out in my Boston. <laughs> the only time. Soon. Yeah, I know. It's TM. It's the only time I see that game. Um, yeah. But as far as as far as far Distro is concerned, like I think a lot of this is, is, is pretty positive, even if the flesh and blood thing is kind of not squirrely, but unique in, in a way. Like, yeah. And maybe forces Watsy's hand if it continues to operate like they are. Like, I, I think that's going to be the big thing is this this is the type of thing that, you know, along with Flesh and Blood's popularity, if if this also is popular, Wizards seems to be under or sorry, they're not under Hasbro's management anymore. They're an independent company. Their CEO used to work for Hasbro. I don't know. They're basically under Hasbro's management, whatever they want yep. to say. Now that they're in that mode, it seems like they're a lot more willing to modify their business model to what works which is i think good because for a long time magic was stuck in its ways watsi wasn't changing things although it almost seems like they've gone too far in the opposite direction with organized play where every six months there's a change but we've harped on that before yep. so yeah yeah uh, all in all i think it's it's all good looks i think everything's i mean aside from diamond filing for 11 I think the the rest of it's pretty positive, but like I said, at the same time, I really don't know what floats the physical comic industry anymore. So it's like, it's it's terrible that a company's going to go out, people are going to lose, you know, jobs. But yeah, at the same time, as far as the industry is concerned, I think it's just a, another blip. I don't think it's really that impactful. No picks. Let's do it. Right. I went first last week. You're first yep, this so, week. So um, I'm going to take my long shot pick for the year. 
I'm using it now. Ooh. Way late. Ooh. Yep. So my my long shot pick is uh, Domri Raid. And for those of you that don't know, this is a Planeswalker originally released in Gate Crash. The plus one is like the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. So cool. It's an advantage engine. The minus two doesn't matter. It's just a fight. But the emblem it is also important. So minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control have haste. Or have double strike, trample, hexproof, and haste, right? So when you look at this card, it does a, a lot of good things for three mana. It, it's only a three loyalty planeswalker, so it takes a while to get the ultimate, but because it drops early, you can kind of get ahead, right? So right now, CK is buying 22 at a dollar. There's 225 LP or better for $2.39 on TCG at the moment. That's not a big difference from what uh, the stats were when I added this to my list in January of this year. Uh, so uh, January 19th, 2021, Card Kingdom was buying 30 at $1.35, so they were buying more for more. They're currently buying less for less, and there was 196 on TCG for $2.33. So that number is basically the same, right? So why am I picking this? So this is highly playable in strategies, really, that are creature-based and also base gruel. It's an incredible value engine that can help close out games as another threat. You know, that... That plus is really good. It just helps you churn through. And gruel-based decks are generally creature-centric, so much like Lurking Predators, this should have a lot more hits than it's going to have misses. So within the format itself, you know, it's originally it was a value card in what I like to call heavy punch decks. You know, just big green or big red green dummies. Uh, you know, these these decks, uh, or this card rather, these strategies allow you to play through the mid to the late game at removal heavy tables because it's just going to keep refilling. You know, like I said, every Domri raid activation should be a hit. And with the increase of power level of green creatures, Domri fell out of favor as an advantage engine. But as we continue to receive support for lower power level tribes like werewolves and dinosaurs, Domri becomes a really good look. It's also a lot cheaper than a combination of cards like Xenagos God of Revels with Concordant Crossroads with Sylvan Library, and that allows those on a budget to stretch that budget a lot further. And that's why I wanted to harp on both the plus one and the emblem, because those two combined, like I said, you know, cut down a lot on the financial burden of what you need to be doing with these decks to be super competitive. If you're going to be able to get, you know, haste and trample out of the emblem, then Xenagos God of Revels and Concordant Crossroads are kind of out of the equation. If your plus one is going to hit a lot more often than it, it's going to miss, then that kind of takes care of Sylvan Library, right? And so this becomes a really good value engine for these really low power tribes. And that's why I'm looking at Dami Raid now. So Dami's been flat for several years and I'll bring up stocks because it's just really freaking laughable. So after rotation, Domri actually held at about 7, increased upwards towards 9, and then just cratered after the um, Modern Masters 2017 release, just straight down to about $2.80, which is where we are, or $2.39, which is about where we are right now. There's also a secret layer variant. Uh, neither, or that didn't really impact the price, and the Modern Masters didn't really... It, it impacted it negatively because it fell, but after that, it just roped it. You know, it didn't just crater to dust. It, it's just kind of plateaued, and at that time, demand has been pretty steadily low as well. So again, this looks like a long shot spec that has great upside as we just moved into Innistrad with actual werewolf support, and as we received vampire support in Midnight Hunt, 
I expect continued werewolf support in Crimson Vow, and this should push more people to move in on the tribe and look at or four cards that help power up the theme. So, you know, we'll pop over to Wreck real quick because I haven't brought this up for the card. And the number three general for this is Ulrich, the only legendary werewolf general that we have access to now. And then you see Xenigo's uh, God of Rebels and some other, like I said, heavy punch style cards, right? So I expect these next two sets to really kind of put eyes on this and push it. I believe this is a very slow burn, and we might not see profit to buy us within 12 calendar months, but you should be able to, to trade this out pretty easily in the coming months at or just above current market value. Essentially, trade bait. Yeah. In the long term, I expect this to be a $5 Planeswalker to have in my binder and be happy with a small stack of these, say somewhere like 16 to 20 overall, to just slowly out over time. I think... Cards like Domri Raid, uh, similar to what was the Elf Planeswalker recently that you and I were talking about that I was really high on. Four mana makes Lanoir Elves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got to pull it up because it was, was it from Kaldheim? It was from... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those Planeswalkers that is a continuous source of card advantage for casual players. Casual players love this card. It's incredibly liquid. I actually get asked about it pretty frequently, especially foils at booths. Because someone has Myale or Ulrich or something that's just like, I want a bunch of dudes, I want to make dudes, I want to make dudes fight. It's like Don King the deck. Yep. It's just making people the fight. And that's such a universal theme for Magic players that you can always count on someone wanting this card. Yep. I don't think it's super reprintable. We got the Modern Masters reprint, like you touched on. Like, could they reprint it? So sure. Are they going to? I checked. I'm pretty Probably sure not. there are at least four or five other Domri Planeswalkers. There are, yeah. And they had their chance to reprint it in War of the Spark, and they chose not to. Downgraded yeah. Domri to, I believe, just a rare. Yeah. And made it way poops. The other thing is the name of this Planeswalker is relevant to uh, the history of the game. This is Ollie Raid. Huh. One of the not a Sylvan Safekeeper is Ollie Raid as uh, the Invitational card. Domri Raid is actually named also named after Ollie Raid. So it's not like I don't think they have to go to Ollie and say, "Hey, we want to use your name again," blah blah blah, because they did it in 2017, yeah. a number of years after the original re uh, Return to Raf set, and again as a secret layer. But it becomes this like tongue-in-cheek reference. That actually is pretty funny. I, I did not know that. I was thinking about it. I was, I was like, I, th I thought about reprint equity. And I'm like, ah, it's Ollie Raid. They had the opportunity. They made a at least two dual deck versions, uh, two dual deck Domries on top of this. And they just reluctant to put it in a standard set. Could it be in another master set? Absolutely. I'm not gonna, I won't disagree with you there. Uh, obviously, it was in Modern Masters 2017 because it's good in the draft environment. It does what you need it to. It hits creatures. It is. Yeah. I, I think it's great in the draft environment, but I... I also think they might be somewhat hesitant to go back to a similar draft environment for a while, just because like the master sets, they've seemed to turn more and more into EDH sets. Yes. Yeah. Then like we're designing this for limited. It seems more like we're designing this for EDH with a little bit of limited thrown in. Yeah, so. uh, absolutely. Uh, so to speak to reprint equity, I think we're, we're fairly low on this one now outside of a master set and 
I just don't think this card gets worse over time. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. It's it's also the fact that it deals with creatures, which seems to be, you know, like, we're printing creatures that are so good, Delver doesn't need to run Delver anymore. Yeah. As long as we're doing that, this card's only going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I was trying to think if there would be, like, a content creator push for this. Like, oh, you see it, it does, it does some great things. Does it get a push? And, like, even if Domri sits on the table and gets to a point where it's able to emblem, the game is probably over. And the emblem, like, yes, it helps, but I don't think it's going to draw demand and if you hit, if you just hit running runners off the pluses, I don't know if it's really going to be attributable. And people are going to be like, oh, Dombry Raid won, you know, that game where Saffron Olive played it against, you know, the, the other three yeah. on Commander Clash or whatever, right? Or, you know, uh, Jeremy Knoll crushed Star City Commander versus with Dombry Raid. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's really going to be a common, t- common creator push. I think this is not entirely, like feedback loop of edh rec because it's it is seen i think this is more of like okay we we get new low power mm, low power i'll put in quotes tribes people start yeah. looking at what's being done and they find dimer rated as, as an advantage engine in other low power tribes or other similar tribes and i think it's, it's actually going to be the feedback loop that powers this one up but i think it's also going to be like kind of the expected movement on diamond raid i don't think the feedback loop is going to spike this i think the feedback loop is just going to remind people this is a card and like hey again i like to bring up foundational stuff like this is a card that should always be in consideration for whatever you're doing yeah if if you're in a dude deck this card should always be in the list of in your maybe pile when you're first starting out because it does dudes really well exactly when you pull your 150 or 200 whatever it is that you're going to pare down from diamond rage should probably be in that pile absolutely yeah Yeah. all right so my pick speaking of reprint equity uh actually gp foil primeval titan so one of the reasons i'm choosing this is because of a card that i called to be banned a long time ago but does not seem to be going anywhere so this card is great with lands. You know the best land maybe ever at this point? Urza Saga. Mm. Who knew? Uh, Amulet Titan is starting to show up more and more at locals, at paper events, on Moto. You're seeing people abuse the synergy between Primetime and Dryad of the Elysian Grove and Urza Saga. Like That's, that's of course, going to happen forever. And when Urza Saga gets banned, Amulet Titan is still going to be good. Yep. So you'll still have viability to this card. So why now? Well, if you take a look at the stocks graph, we're on a little bit of a downturn. Interesting that uh, you can't see TCG low on this graph, which is kind of unfortunate because we're sitting at about $17 low. Now, this is actually up a little bit from about a week and a half ago. But the interesting thing is that if you go to LP and near mint listings on TCG, we are currently sitting at only 36 the reason this price spike has happened is because we are at half what we were a month ago for the Grand Prix promo. But a month ago, it was only $15 low. Yeah. So we've had the quantity start to dry up, but we haven't seen the price react in the same way. Now, this card, Primetime can be reprinted a million times. We just got a secret layer that had Primetime in it. Sure. But Grand Prix promos might be gone forever. Yeah. Because Grand Prix just might not be a thing anymore. No, you're right. I'd also like to point out this is uh, one of two pieces of unique art for primetime. The other one is the secret layer. Yeah. 
which is very important as well, because being unique, being foil, being a limited print run, there's a lot of strikes there against reprint and for retaining value. Yes. Now, if you look, if you remember a few, not a few episodes, about six months ago when I was talking about old promos and how those are set to spike and all of a sudden the star promos took off. Yep. All of a sudden your old FNM promos took off. This is part of one of those future waves of promos I expect to take off. I know I picked Una's Blackguard, which has still not taken off, unfortunately, despite getting a rogue set. But this one has an extant archetype already. Mm-hmm. Two of it's them. only going to get be- yeah two. It's only going to get better as they print more lands. And the longer Urza's Saga sticks around in any format, the better this card looks. Yep. So what am I looking at here, timeline wise? Well. If you take a look at the stocks graph recently, uh, starting uh, earlier this year, actually, we saw a little bit of a spike and we're on a downturn from that spike where we're going to hit a new floor. So hitting the floor now, what would I expect? Honestly, probably about six to eight months. Okay. Soon, TM, when the Star City series comes back and we start getting modern events again, I expect primetime decks are going to be very good and very high profile. Yeah. Urza's Saga will get a lot of camera time. I expect that you'll see more than a few times where Primetime fetches Urza Saga and Urza Saga fetches, I don't know, Shadow Spear or Pinning Needle or Expedition Map or who knows what, a million different things that it could fetch. Yep. And once that happens more and more on camera, more and more exposure, this card's going to start to go up. And I think that the Grand Prix promo will be one of the chase versions of the card that people will try to get as they try to foil out their deck particularly when you look at the cost of like some of the non-foil variants there's really not all that much difference you're looking at about a seven eight dollar difference between a non-foil and a foil in this case which i think is really important um star city being the key though is kind of the thing to be wary of with the timeline because i don't expect we'll get a big push for modern constructed events off the gate i think it'll be standard because that's what they're trying to push on arena because that's what moves packs, that's what sells sets. Star City doesn't care about that. They have insane modern buy prices during Legacy Season, and they have insane Legacy buy prices during Modern Season. I bet we get Modern Season first. Oh, yeah. So when that happens, I would expect this card to start to take off as we get more eyes and stuff like that. But the other thing is obviously being a promo that we may not get again. There's a collectability to it, too. And having that collectability is always a good thing to fall back on, because if there is a little bit of a longer timeline, eh, fine. We've got people that collect promos. Great. Send it to them. You'll be fine. Yep, uh, absolutely. Uh, At first, I thought when you mentioned banning, I thought you were going to talk about the commander banning and possibly unbanning this, you know, as people move in on Sway the Stars or moved in, I guess, when everybody's around to this. Um, but no, I, I like Primetime. I'm a homer for this card. I've been playing it since uh, M10 with Valakut. You know, yep. I've had that deck since then. I knew it would appeal to you. Yeah, my... <laughs> like, I I put Titan Shift back together. I enjoy playing it. Luckily, I don't have to deal with a lot of Unholy Heat in my local meta because as one person put it, Unholy Heat makes you embarrassing as a player when you're casting Primetime for six. Yeah. Like, it is not the greatest matchup but Amulet Titan is so powerful that you can essentially get around and through it. And similarly with Valakut shifting over to um, 
through the breach and, you know in your opponent's end step you can through the breach in your first titan and then yep. untap cast the next one and kill him or through the breach the next one and kill him and you know, the the decks have had to shift from when modern horizons 2 first entered the format to deal with unholy heat but it is now in a good i think these decks are in a, a good spot to make a competitive comeback to your point of waiting for the Star City Circuit, I also agree, especially with what seems like the death knell of Pioneer and the announcement that it wouldn't be moving to Arena since the Pioneer Master set has been waylaid indefinitely. Yep. And at this point in time, none of the people on my timelines that were playing Pioneer seem to be playing it at all anymore. So there's no reason for Star City to support that format. And with Modern Horizons 2 blowing the doors off and actually bringing people back to that format... I would expect them to run back standard and modern. We might get Pioneer in the team events just because it is cheaper than Legacy. Yeah, and I can see that. Yeah, so it makes those events more appealing and less gatekeepy, and I'm all for that. I, um, I expect if I expect modern to hold a larger premium on the calendar than Pioneer would, and I think it should hold the same or more than standard. And I'm really excited to see what happens there and part of that is going to be when cards like this that have just been waiting kind of see the light of day again and take off again with the events that will eventually you know be publicized can't wait not at all i just want to be at a booth and pay someone too little money for their cards that's all i want <laughs> we have different goals i want to be at a table playing underground seas again God, I, that, that's what I really want to be doing. Let's be real. That's what I really want to be it, doing. I just don't know if it'll happen. I know. It's, it's a short trip down memory lane because I, I don't... If Star City ever comes back to the greater New England area, they'll probably put Legacy up here, which is what they do. But Reanimator may not be good, which makes me sad. So Yeah, that's fair. I'll be happy to possibly play some Legacy again, but be sad I can't play Reanimator. It's just a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh but other than that, for this week, I think I'm all set for distro questions. I'm sure I'll have something afterwards, and I'll be like, oh, I'm a big dummy, I should have asked. But, That's fine. Yeah, uh, you know, the distro wins are a change in, you know, as we mentioned up top. And it's probably something we'll need to keep an eye on, because if, you know, if one happens, another one's going to happen. And it will matter. Dominoes fall. Absolutely. Yep. And with the way Flesh and Blood is working, it will probably have some news from that. I would expect like some shakeup from Nintendo in regards to Pokemon and their distro model and their printing because they've been light for a while, so that'll be interesting to see as well. And other than that, though, I think I'm all set for this week. Same. Yep. All right, so we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube. Uh, you can catch the podcast on Apple podcast google podcast audible stitcher spotify the video version is up on youtube if you want to reach us directly uh, we are at mdg cabalcast on twitter as i just mentioned i've been uh pumping out a lot of bob's burgers memes if you've seen those great they just they just speak to me uh that's rightfully so uh otherwise i am at halt i am reptar on twitter and you are at thirsty sizzler we'll see you next week